0: Artemis endeavors to get more women in the field and on the water, to support women as leaders in the conservation movement, to ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation.
1: All right, welcome to the Artemis podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Chance, and my co-host today is Sam Petter. Sam, how are you?
2: Doing well, Ashley. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Um, our guest today is the one and only Marsha Brownlee. And I have to say, I don't want to record this episode. <laughs> <because> <laughs> this is Marsha's farewell episode um, on the Artemis podcast as she gets ready for um, her transition to new things. And um, I'm I'm excited for her and so sad. So I'm just going to preface mm-hmm. with that. Um, but Sam and I are going to sit with her today and we're just going to try to, try to glean everything we can in this last episode. So Marsha, I hope you're ready.
0: I don't know, man. I'm a little nervous being on this side of the table, <laughs> but we'll see how it goes.
1: Uh, it's going to be great. And usually um, I just
0: listen and ask questions. This is going to be different. <laughs> really?
1: It'll be well, awesome. you can just, yeah, just listen and answer questions. That's fine too. Um, <laughs> One thing, not to be cheesy, but I, I do want to know what is in your freezer right now. I feel like that's still a good way oh, to start us off.
0: Yeah. I'm going to hold on because my memory's a goldfish right now. I'm actually going to walk over to my free freezer. So I know there's, um, gosh, I have some bear shanks left over from like last year's bear that I need to figure out what to do with. I might just defrost them. No, I don't know. Um, and then I have some homemade chicken broth and I've got some... Of my dad's bear from this year, Um, and I've got some halibut. I've got some antelope. um, I've got some mule deer.
1: Uh, It's a very western freezer,
0: right? Except for the well, I guess the halibut, but not Montana western. And I may—I don't know—I may have some, um, uh, what do you call it? Salmon buried in there somewhere. But and then ice cream and coffee. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Wait, coffee in your freezer? You mean like uh is it already ground to keep it fresh? It's
0: no, but it's beans, but the bag is open and so I keep it in there to keep it fresh until I'm ready I got a whole set up. It goes Yeah. <laughs> I've got okay. a whole set up, but it's in the freezer until uh it's ready to transfer.
1: So <laughs> this I wasn't expecting to talk about today, but I have been trying for most of my adult life to figure out a coffee setup because Mm. I love coffee. I really love good coffee. And I'll be honest, I don't have a clue about how you get it. Sometimes I use a French press. Sometimes I use a cheap little grinder to grind my own beans. And I would love to know what your setup is.
0: Okay. So coffee is very important to me. Um, Sharenda and I are uh, sisters in this regard. Coffee is very important to us. So I have put a fair amount of thought into this. I will preface my setup by saying part of the reason I switched to this method is because I almost caught my house on fire a couple of times by burning my automatic coffee pot. I have a really small house. I've got very little counter space. And so I would have the coffee pot resting on the stovetop. And then I would turn on the wrong burner and completely melt the coffee pot. So know that that happened that's who you're talking to um born of necessity (laughs) born of necessity but I do pour over um I have a a little vacuum sealed container of beans uh and I grind uh fresh coffee every morning um and then I've got a you know because I can't get too fancy I've got a Stanley thermos that I pour over into um and I usually uh pour over twice
1: well I okay I don't even know what all that means, but what kind of grinder do you have?
0: Just one of those, uh, little spice grinders. Okay. You know, it's That's, like, it's like a, like 20 bucks. it's, yeah.
1: Okay. I have one of those. And then the pour over thing, you can buy that and put it on anything. Yep. And what do you mean you pour over? I mean, I know you pour it over twice. So how does yep, that, I, how do you do that?
0: I, yeah. So I just, you know, I, I pour water into the filter and let it drain. Um, and then I pour water into the filter and let it drain again. Um. So, so ultimately like the grounds go through to things of water.
1: Okay. Final question. And Sam, <laughs> I want to hear your take on all this coffee talk as well. Oh, two questions. What is your ratio of beans to water and what temperature do you get your water to? Okay.
0: So my ratio of beans to water is a, I like strong coffee. Let me preface it with that. Uh, so it's a quarter. What is it? I don't know. Okay, I believe it's a quarter cup of beans to four cups of water, um, but it's like a heaping quarter cup. That's what I use, that's the formula that I was given by my aunt who owned a coffee shop for years. Uh, but now I've got this delightfully handmade spoon um, that a friend made for me. So. So, who knows? Measurements that mean nothing to anybody else. It's three spoonfuls and two pour overs.
1: (laughs) Sorry. I'm not, yeah. I think that's very Italian grandmother. Like (laughs) one blue (laughs) cup of the flour.
0: (laughs) Right? Yeah, three handfuls. Yeah.
1: Okay, and the water temp. I don't know. That's fair. I Um, don't know mine either, so.
0: I've looked it up once, but that feels like uh, more attention than I could give things in the morning.
1: That's fair. Sam, did you want to jump in here?
0: Oh, absolutely. Because uh, somebody
2: who worked with Motion in early hours, um, I know how important coffee was. So it's a fantastic question to ask her. Um, my, my, my question that I'm toying with with coffee right now is what type of roast. Because my boyfriend oh. loves dark Colombian, the darker the better, and I want like, like a latte color, like so light that it's just, it just tastes
0: better to me. So we struggle. I, I like really dark roasts. I like French roasts. Yeah,
2: you and he the would get all
0: the better. I <laughs> think <laughs> we already established
2: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we do a French press. But the thing that always freaks me out on a French press is like the grit at the bottom of the cup because yeah. we're not used to it. But to be fair, the reason I've been trying different things um, is to try to get away from my Keurig. I have had a Keurig for 12 Mm -hmm. years. It's still going strong, but I know it's going to not last long. And so I'm like, once it's gone, it's gone. So I can hopefully switch back to just see the pour over or whatever. And final note, there's no better coffee than on a jet boil with a pour over at camp. This is my, Mm. yeah, it's
0: my my. Solution for camping. It's one of the reasons I love camping, to be honest, which is yeah. sad, but it's awesome. Yeah, and I, I have a couple of different coffee processes that I use when I'm camping, but I do have this awesome um, planetary design cup that's got – it's a travel mug that's got a French press built into it, and so I use that more often mm-hmm. than not when I'm camping. But I agree, Sam. I don't like the grit, and it also – I just have a heart like, it doesn't stay warm for long.
2: My biggest complaint.
0: Uh, it, you have to heat, heat it up and then it's it's just, it's not good. But if you pour over directly into a Stanley thermos.
1: <laughs> I immediately genius. knew.
0: Yep. yep. <laughs> it's a
1: idea. I have one thing to add to the coffee conversation from when I was in the Peace Corps. We had very terrible instant coffee in Ghana. It's called Nescafe, was the brand. I know and Nescafe. <laughs> it, my grandparents
0: like little... liked Nescafe.
1: Okay it's like these little crystals in a pouch it'll ruin your stomach don't recommend um but some other volunteers would get care packages with the instant starbucks coffee yes it's like liquid in a tube and i thought that was so stupid and then one day i had a sip of it and i was like oh
0: my gosh (laughs) this is amazing i'm so impressed with how far they've come with instant coffee
2: yeah oh my god yeah absolutely we didn't have our, our boiler on the last camping trip. It was, it was last minute. And we picked it up at the dollar store for a dollar. Maxwell House instant. It was so good. I, I remember the gritty, like, just lousy coffee from, like, hunting camp, like, when we were 16 and 17. And it was instant. It was
1: not good. It's just now, now at least it's better. Yes. The world is advancing. I want to give you, Marsha, the opportunity to tell us a little bit about who you are. I mean, over yeah. the, you know... Over the years, I think everybody has gotten a good sense. But in your own words, I would love oh, to hear. Oh my gosh! No I like pressure. The-
0: <laughs> um, it's weird. Like, I mean, on on the one hand, I have new empathy for our guests when they get confronted with this very big question and how they describe themselves. But I also feel like describing yourself to somebody who knows you is <laughs> always strange. Yes. Um. Let's see. Uh so I um was born and lived in Michigan, southern Michigan, um, for all the way through college. Uh and in college my I went to Michigan State University and my bachelor's degree was in East Asian languages and cultures with a focus on Japanese.
1: What? I didn't know
0: after yeah, after
1: college. I
0: had no idea.
1: Yeah. Can you speak Japanese?
0: Um, 20 years ago, yes. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it's a, I'm sure I could still like dig back into it and, and remind myself, but it's been so long. Yeah. But I did, I lived in Japan for a year when I was a junior in high school. So that was where all that started. Um, and then after graduating with my undergrad, I said I need to get out of Michigan, and I moved to Boston, Massachusetts, which is a great place to be 23 years old. And I met some amazing friends and really enjoyed living by the ocean um, and exploring these large historic urban areas. Um, And I ended up going back to school at the Harvard Graduate School of Education to get a master's in education with a focus on Adult learning and learning for social responsibility. And then I said, I need to get the heck out of the city. <laughs> I am <laughs> over this. So I moved to Nederland, Colorado, which is um, about 18 miles. West of Boulder at around 8,200 feet elevation, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. And I lived in a trailer and it butted up against um, Indian Peaks Wilderness, which was amazing because that was, I mean, we'd camped and, um, you know, uh, done a lot of nature-based activities when I was a kid. But now suddenly I'm backed up against the Rocky Mountain Wilderness and I have bear prints in my driveway and I can hear a mountain lion crying in the middle of the night and I'm going, what the hell is that? And so it just opened up my eyes to wilderness in a way that I hadn't experienced before. And, and I loved that. And while I was there, I taught preschool because of course, right. Um, So uh, uh, fell in love actually with teaching preschool because kids are amazing. Um, But I then decided that Netherlands was a little bit too remote Um, And I visited Missoula, Montana, and fell in love immediately. So I got a teaching job in Missoula, Montana, at a preschool where I taught um, a nature-based education curriculum for three years. And then I became the executive director of that school, um, which is a position that I held for six years uh, and loved. It was a community that I cared a lot about. Um, And let's see. And then I started hunting um, during that six years for a variety of reasons. One is that I had access to mentors at that time um, that could that were passionate hunters and would take me in the field with them. Um, and then my parents moved out to Missoula uh, three years after I did, uh, in part because my mom had Alzheimer's. And so I was helping my dad take care of her. And I think as with all parents, we're usually better together when we're doing something as opposed to just kind of griping and complaining and surviving. <laughs> so I asked him to teach me how to shoot because he's an avid shooter, um, and then started hunting and fell in love with it and uh, decided that was where I wanted my future focus to be. So I took the job with Artemis. I was I applied for the job with Artemis and was honestly shocked when I got it, but very excited. And I've been here for the last four years, and now I am going back to school for a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Um, I own my own house. I love owning my own house. Um, It's a small house, it's 450 square feet with a gorgeous full size city lot. So I get to garden, and I have two amazing apple trees. I love to read, Um, I love my dogs. I love to cook. I think that's it.
1: <laughs> that, that that button's <laughs> set up. Um, yeah. That was amazing. And hearing you lay out that trajectory all in one fell swoop, it, it doesn't surprise me that you're, you're onto something new because Conquering Mountains is what you do. Um, so. I
0: really do enjoy a steep learning curve. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Japanese. Not going to lie.
1: Yeah. So – one thing that struck me, I knew that you were from Michigan and I also knew that your dad lives close enough to you that you have collective bear meat in his freezer. Yes. <laughs> that you cook and eat together. And uh I never I never heard the story of how he came to be there and I ah. I love that. I I really I don't this is an aside, but I love it when people's families you know, for whatever reason, kind of track with them instead of just being stuck in a place um, for the sake of that. And there was something else that struck me. Sam, chime in. I got to, I lost yeah. my train of thought.
2: <laughs> I, I was struck by, um, first of all, I, I feel like I know Marcia pretty well, but I just learned probably 10 new facts, which is great. <laughs> You're a dynamic individual and that's probably the best part of a friendship um second though the commitment to community that you've had at artemis i thought was just amazing but now understanding that that's actually just a, a faucet effect, sorry not faucet a fact <laughs> of your <laughs> personality and your style it makes complete sense i mean obviously you were a great choice for the yes. Artemis program manager but I'm, I'm excited to see what the next community you build and grow and contribute to is.
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah community is um definitely central to who I am um, in a lot of different ways
1: I was reminded Marsha when when you were talking about um, how you were shocked that you got the job Mm -hmm. when you called to offer me my job I believe my response was are you serious (laughs) yeah I think my response to Aaron was that's not what
0: I thought you were gonna say oh
1: because I was also shocked happily shocked Oh, that's good. Okay. Well, I wanted to hear more about how you got started hunting, but I feel like you laid that out quite well. Mm. Um, and we know a lot about your journey around hunting since its inception. So maybe you can tell us what you're going to miss most about not being, uh, you're always going to be a part of Artemis, but about not being in your current role.
0: Yeah, I think, oh gosh, where do I even start? Um, I mean, first and foremost, surprise, surprise, the community. (laughs) Um, You know, we have several events um, over the, well, gosh, you know, we have layers and layers of community, right? There's the community, Ashley, that you and I have and that we have at the National Wildlife Life Federation, which is full of some of the best people I've ever known, much less worked with. You know, they're, they're, they're grounded and sincere and smart and hardworking And so I'm going to miss working with that caliber of person. Um, I'm going, and then there's the community of the leadership team, um, which is the best of the best. uh, And, and I just appreciate them each so much. And then that's our ambassador community, which is this community of women that brings so much passion and so much dedication um, and and there again it just one of the things about this job is that you you meet amazing people from all over the world honestly um and uh and connect on a on a level that I've never done in another job because hunting and fishing and conservation and those deeply held shared values facilitates that level of connection and to be a part of fostering something that is so meaningful to each of them um, and to be a part of, of um, making Artemis the kind of organization that meets their needs has been incredibly fulfilling and gratifying. And I'm going to miss having a mainline into that type of camaraderie and support for sure. I'm also going to miss uh having an insider's perspective on these complex converse, conversations around conservation you know i think it's a it's it's always changing and it's always dynamic and we can only learn so much from the headlines and it's been incredibly valuable to be a part of the background backroom conversation with people who've been in conservation for a really long time and and know the complexity of it so deeply And I am really going to miss having that perspective on a national level. So that's so eloquent because,
2: you know, me personally, just being stingy, uh, you've been one of the people that I've been able to have very in-depth conversations and discuss apolitically and just talk about the different perspectives and what could occur. And that's so valuable to me. So while you're not going to be in the back room of it all, I hope that we don't stop those types of conversations because you have so much to offer and perspective that I, I really just appreciate.
0: Well, and I have threatened that I will keep the link to the daily public lands call. <laughs> so <laughs> I can nice. hop on and go, tell me about this. They'll be like, what's that 406 number? They won't know. They'll think it's, it's somebody from New Mexico. <laughs> We're
1: just used to it. We won't blink twice. That's right? okay. So for listeners, Marcia and I are um, Artemis is housed kind of within the public lands team at the National Wildlife Federation and Monday through Thursday, we have a call where everybody on that team just gets on and it's kind of like news hour. I feel like yeah. <laughs> just kind of go over what the happenings are, you know, needs from some members of the team for others. And yeah, Marsha, you, you should join it. I I've <laughs> just... started taking that. I started taking that for granted. I remember when I started this position, I was just amazed at everything that's happening all the time and all the people that are working on it. I can remember telling my husband about things, um, it was like, like in a new light, like you're saying, not just from the headlines. Um, so yeah, I can understand
0: why you don't want to still show up. Ashley, tell me more about this. Yeah. Uh, don't be surprised if I do call and be like, what's the deal? <laughs> I thought the return act wasn't going to be reintroduced. Ashley, what's the deal? <laughs> I'll
1: give you the lowdown. down.
0: Yep.
1: Sam, I want to, I have a couple more questions, but I want to uh, make space for some of yours.
2: Absolutely. So, I mean, any good person knows that there is now a huge opportunity to follow up Marsha's leadership. And I'm expecting some people out there in the Artemis community are, are going to aim for that goal. So, Marsha, given everything you've talked about, the community and the different layers and, and that that's what you're going to miss. What's the best advice you might give to someone who's looking to come into this role and, and to go for it if they're on the fence about applying?
0: Mm, yeah. You know, I think, um, I mean, one of my favorite quotes, and I think I've shared it on this podcast before, maybe in our leadership series, that was uh, uh, something a mentor of mine told me when I was job searching um, a few years back, was that don't, don't take yourself out of the running. Uh, if you don't match all of the requirements you may have what they don't know they need, And I think there are a lot of jobs where that that isn't possible anymore just because so many of the resumes go through the logarithm, right, and they get canceled out if you don't meet these certain requirements. But that's not how NWF does hiring, and I think I'm proof of that. I came in with zero conservation background, and I remember during my interview when when they said, you know, what are your weaknesses, and they didn't phrase it that way. They (laughs) phrased it better, but I said I don't have a background in conservation. I'll be hitting – you know, I'll have a steep learning curve, um, in that regard. And the response was, well, we have a few people who know that how to do that at the National Wildlife Federation. <laughs> so, True. you know, I think it's, it's, um, think about the skills that you do have and how they might pertain to the job. I had uh, a deep love for education and supporting people, uh, in pursuing and achieving their goals and in creating community. Um, and they had decided that that's what the program needed right now. Um, and I think the hiring team may, I don't know what they'll decide need, the program needs right now. Um, but I do know that that same, yeah, so d- I guess I would just say, don't take yourself out of the running. Um, if this is something that you're interested about then are interested in, then just think about how your skills, um, apply to what this job requires. And I think anybody familiar with the Artemis community has uh, some understanding of um, what the job requires. And I don't know, maybe that's naive of me, but I feel like if you're opting to be a part of this community, then uh, you know whether or not it's a community you want to continue building. Um, and then there was another part of your question that I completely blanked on in my run on sentence.
2: It's totally fine. I think you answered it. It's It's inspiring, you know, them to step up and apply and I guess maybe since a lot of our leadership work talked about imposter syndrome you're you're connecting Mm -hmm. back to that in my mind too Mm -hmm. I think you answered it eloquently um
0: and I think you know um the position isn't easy so if you don't like a challenge maybe not for you (laughs) But if you do like a so challenge, honest. I definitely, True. you know, it's type two fun all the way uh, in this work. Yeah. So if you like type two fun.
1: And for our, for our listeners unfamiliar with type two fun, Marsha.
0: <laughs> it's the it's the kind of fun that doesn't feel fun when you're having it, but it feels <laughs> fun afterwards. <laughs> it's elk hunting up a 90 degree grade <laughs> <laughs> in, in waist deep snow. Oh,
2: uh, been yeah.
1: there. <laughs> didn't get an elk okay um all right I want to I want to just take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors
0: for 125 years Rio has made shot shells for hunting sport and defense using their own premium components top shooters like three gunner Rihanna Kadik champion clay shooter tina jewel and outdoors woman taylor garcia trust rio to give them the edge on the range and in the field a full line of target loads like star team evo hunting cartridges like the popular texas game load plus an array of buck and slugs now rio is proud to introduce their pro eco biodegradable wad to help keep plastics out of the environment visit RioAmmo.com for a complete line of 12 and sub gauge products for your favorite game That's R I O A M M O dot com. In South Dakota, hunting is our shared legacy, something everyone can be a part of. That's why we're focused on making our fields a welcome place for everyone. See how at huntthegreatestsd.com, where you can hear stories from sportswomen and learn what makes South Dakota the world's pheasant capital. While you're there, check out public land maps, hunting blogs, and season information for one unforgettable fall. Learn more at huntthegreatestsd.com.
1: Hey, we're back. Um, I want to shift a little bit from the last question and look into the future. And I, well, I guess this is still kind of looking into the future, but. When you look at your experience in total, um, what is it that you want women who are a part of Artemis or who are going to become a part of Artemis to know?
0: Oh, man. What do I want? Jeez. Uh, um, Take your time. Yeah. I think uh, you're not alone. And you can define things for yourself. I think those are the two things that I want people to know. Um, I think, and I'm going to speak from the women's perspective specifically because that's my experience and that's what I've witnessed in the majority of my female or my women friendships. Um, There's this huge process of um, understanding how our family and society has shaped our expectations for ourselves, for our lives, for the world, and what I've noticed as I've gotten older is like it's this slow, painful process of extricating myself from that. Um, and and I've watched women um, close to me go through that same process, and it's like you know I've been told that this is what I should want, and I don't want that. I want this. Um, Or I've been told that doing this looks like that, and that's bullshit. It doesn't. I want it to look like this. Or I've been told that I can't operate outside of this structure. This is the structure that exists, and asking for something different isn't acceptable. And again, that's bullshit. Um, You get to decide. You get to define. And I know that there are limitations on that because we live in the real world, Um, but even if you have to make compromises, uh, be aware of how it aligns and how it doesn't align with who you truly are and be as true to that as you possibly can. That was really long winded, but, and that, <laughs> but there it is.
1: That was perfect. The, the beginning was short and to yeah. the point, And then you elaborated beautifully. I'm, that's going to be a poster on my wall.
0: Um, and I think, and that's uh, it's. I think, for for some people who maybe aren't familiar or deeply familiar with Artemis, that might those two things might feel like a leap from the community that we build to hunting and fishing conservation. Um, but it, but it's not. And um, and I, I want people to take a closer look at that as well.
2: Marsha. Has it ever occurred to you that like, the work that you and Ashley and the rest of the Artemis team are doing is creating that new vision or image of what a sportswoman could look like and accomplish? Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, that's that's what I hope um, because I think you know part of the reason Artemis was created is because women have a different story about why they hunt and fish or why conservation matters to them, and I think there's still the expectation of, of playing in the same mold. And if you bring in new stories, if you bring in new perspectives and you want to be them truly inclusive, then you have to throw away the mold. And so I do think a lot of my intention, um, over these last four years was to encourage just that, like break the mold, like forget that the mold even exists and show up authentically and the world might not get it. Um, but there's a lot about what we try to do at Artemis that the world doesn't quite get yet. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Uh, and I think the size of our community and the depth with which people connect to it um, is proof that there's there's something there um, that that I just we need to keep feeding. I think something I'm going to miss is
2: your ability to keep saying what Artemis is and why it exists. Because every time you say, "I'm like, yeah, that's exactly it. That's it." But then you evolve it just a little bit and not like, you know, every month or so, but the way it's evolved, you've evolved, we brought out Ashley, you know, the program itself has evolved too, has become so much more than I think even when I joined the leadership team, like, I could th- see what it was. And so yeah, the way you're describing it now is something I hope we carry forward too, like to honor it, but also to expand on.
0: You know, I always think with anything that I do, um, I don't know. I think like there are things you want to do, right? Those deliverables, those tangible accomplishments. And then there's the way you go about doing it. And I've always been more drawn to the way you go about doing it. Um, And I think that's part of the reason why I am interested in transitioning to mental health counseling is because how we go about doing something uh, well, what's I mean, God, there's like a cliche. It's it's the journey, not the destination. <laughs> 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 this is not a new thought, people. Um, but the the journey in everything is what matters. Um, and so, uh, like, there's a lot of tangible um, results and and actions that we want to. Acc- uh, come from Artemis's work, and that includes you know an increase in women holding leadership roles across conservation, um, an increased confidence and capacity for uh, in sports women to advocate for these conservation issues. Like those are the hard goals. But how we get there is is where I live. that's that's where I uh, get most excited.
1: You and I both. <laughs> uh, Marsha, before I got this position I didn't have any other women that I could hunt with I didn't know them I couldn't find them um, and I was also exceedingly short on women women mentors fortunately that is not the case anymore <laughs> for me um, and hopefully that rings true for um, other women in our community but you have an, are a huge mentor of mine. Um, I, yeah, I could talk about that for probably an hour, but since we've got you here now, I would love to hear about some of your mentors and what they've meant to you.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Uh, that's a big question. Um, It, it, it runs the gamut in so many different directions, and I think in every different phase of my life, right? I've got mentors um, from my education phase. I've got mentors from my executive director's phase, and then I got mentors from my um, Artemis phase. And I'll focus in on, on that first. And so I think two of my biggest mentors in conservation have been Kathy Hadley. Well, let me give three. Kathy Hadley. Um, who we did a podcast with uh, during our leadership series. And she's just an incredible leader um, who, again, has has an approach to conservation that, and to community that I've learned a lot from. Uh, Tracy Stone Manning, who used to be the associate VP of public lands at National Wildlife Federation, and now she's the director of the Bureau of Land Management. Also just such an incredible leader and balances this um, – amazing ability to think strategically, and, and she's just the most approachable person I've ever met. Um, I was intimidated when I first started the National Wildlife Federation, but that was all on me and in the story that I built up because she presents as nothing but um, approachable, um, and I've learned a lot about quality leadership um, from her, and then David Wilms. Who is um, also on the public lands team at the National Wildlife Federation. She he hosts the podcast um, Your Mountain, which I highly recommend. Um, I've he's when I talk about the complex background perspective in conservation, a lot of that knowledge and information I've gained from him. Uh, and his just he's 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 very smart, he knows a lot. Uh, and his perspective is multifaceted in a way that I wish more people had access to. Um, in hunting, uh, you know, I learned to hunt from a boyfriend that was in and of itself a very complicated relationship. But I am forever grateful that he um, welcomed me into the field in such a a a wonderful way. You know, we started by duck hunting and then um, snow goose hunting, which is still one of the most magical events of my life. And I wasn't hunting myself then. I was just accompanying him into the field. And then he was with me when I harvested my first deer and just um, handled that, I think, exactly the way I wanted it to be handled or retrospectively the way that I would want it to be handled. Um, And since then, I think in hunting specifically, I mean, because I took on Artemis, uh, you know, just a few years after I started hunting. So I was still very new, but then kind of thrust into this leadership position um, where I was meeting these incredibly knowledgeable and capable and passionate women, but they all lived like really far away. (laughs) You know, like I mean, Ashley, you and I have actually never met in person, and Sam, yeah. you and I have met in person once, twice, twice, um, twice, and yeah. And so you know, um, all of these amazing women that I've never actually been in the field with, um, and so that mentoring has been a little bit different. And I think it's it's more mentoring um, attitude as opposed to skills. And I don't know that I could pick uh, just one or two um, out of the just abundance of women that have helped shape my approach and my confidence and um, my understanding of what it is we do when we're hunting and fishing. Sam, go for
2: it. Yeah, it's a lot. I, you, it's cool how you transitioned because, you know, knowing some people you described, and the respect that you have for them, it, it, I, I have the same respect. But the way you describe them, you put people in different lights uh, in just your relationships with them and really appreciate how you, you put that. It's funny to me that you've only ever met some of these people once or twice, yet the community built, the relationships established has just blossomed. Like even, you know, with leadership team meetings, I, I, now that I think about it, I've never met anyone on the team in person oh two no, that's one so time cheap. yeah <laughs> two one time two one time Two one 12. time yeah, yeah for like two hours yeah but that's it which is insane to me because the, the unifying fact is the, the commitment to sportswomen the for a future there but it didn't require being in the same place at the same time and I, we wouldn't have that without the program which yeah. is now just settling in for me I haven't put it, put thought to
0: that.
2: It's insane. Mm-hmm.
0: And I could, I mean, I just to, just to give shout outs to people who uh, have really meant a lot to me. And I don't know, I feel like I, I get in dangerous territory because I'm going to miss somebody and then I'm going to feel bad <laughs> about
1: it later. Naturally.
0: <laughs> because there's so many uh, in the entire leadership team a hundred percent they're they're why they were recruited to be on the leadership team um, and you guys but then there's also like there's uh, Sharenda Burtz and Jen Davis and uh, Cindy Stites and Nicole Qualtieri and um, just and just so many who who I enjoy and value and appreciate and have learned so much from um, and again I've I've forgotten some, and I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> forgotten many, of course. Too yep. many to list, I'm sure. Yep, yep. Oh, man. That, so talking about um, never seeing, never meeting in person, um, I don't know. I think it was a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago. I had to get up from my computer and go do something. <laughs> and I still had my video on. I came back, and Marsha was like, Oh, now I now I know how tall you are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's right. So yeah, because I finally had like the door frame and the light switch as a reference, and I was like, "Well, the light switch comes up to here on me, and it comes up to there on Ashley." And God damn, she's tall.
1: <laughs> and then and then we sussed out how tall how tall the other two members of our team are that I I've never been there in person. Marsha was like, "Well, yeah, based on the light switch, she's taller than you." <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's amazing. It's a nice understanding. <laughs> that's,
0: a, that's a weird thing. I did not know. I did not think you were that tall. If if I had been asked to lay stakes, I would not have guessed that you were that tall. I
1: don't know. I guess I have a short torso. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and you're always sitting down, right? So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Added element there.
2: Yep. As much as you're willing to share, Marsha, you shared about your next next pursuit um twofold future future activities for yourself and you know how being a sportswoman might impact that what you're taking away etc but just where are you where are you going next you talked about a little bit but expand upon that and what what do you hope to um, achieve your mountain which mountain do you want to move is there anything that's like caught your attention so far
0: so i am uh i mean as Uh, I think has been obvious. I'm not leaving this job for another job. I'm leaving this job to go back to school. Um, and I'm actually, and I'm going to take advantage of that and also taking some time to catch my breath. Um, I, again, I think it's so easy for us to, uh, like the, the world we live in, um, makes avoiding burnout damn near impossible just with, the pressure and the structure and all of that. And so I think everybody is a little or a lot burnt out. We all fall somewhere on that spectrum. Uh, and so I am going to take some time to, um, recenter and, um, remind myself about what I'm passionate about and have time to, uh, to dedicate to those passions and, So I'm very excited that I will be doing that um, during hunting season. (laughs) So I hope to spend a a lot of time wandering around in the woods and uh, just being quiet and letting my thoughts go where they need to go um, without any of the underlying um, need to be productive uh, or to... um, I guess yeah I'll leave it there I just need to be productive. So uh so some of my time will be just reconnecting with the natural world and with hunting and fishing um and delving back into that practice which um I've you know this this job is incredibly um, ne- understandably and necessarily supportive of everybody getting into the field um, and reminding ourselves why we do what we do and why it's important to us. Uh, and, and so I don't want to leave the impression that um, I've been rung dry and I need to, <laughs> I need to <laughs> lie in the woods for a month. Um, but uh, uh, it's difficult with both personal and professional um, responsibilities. So uh, I'm excited to reconnect to hunting and fishing um, in a way that uh, I haven't been able to recently. And then after that, with my um, focus on clinical mental health counseling, I'm still exploring uh, exactly what area I want to delve into. Um, but I am very interested in um, organizational culture and profession in how our professional lives impact our happiness um, and how we can most effectively function or optimally function um, in a society that is structured with so many difficulties and challenges and obstacles. Um, I'm also interested, I think in part because of the experience I had with my mom's Alzheimer's, I'm interested in end-of-life counseling. Um, I'm interested in um, grief counseling and supporting families who are grieving together. Um, it's always, I've always, I mean, I think through my through my work in Artemis, obviously, but also through my work as a executive director, because when you work as a school leader in an early childhood education, um, obviously you're working with a lot of women. And so I really love working with women to help them access their power. Um, and so I hope that that will continue to be a part of the work that I do.
2: Uh, I love it. Um, on the accessing power. I mean, that's a, a logical connection to what you've accomplished here. I think you've helped a lot of people see that opportunity and something I've appreciated um, from your leadership and the way you've, you know, taken Artemis was that, that awareness and i don't want to say concern but just awareness of the mental health aspects of stuff and just the way you approach certain topics going for the full person and not just saying okay well that's a woman that hunts it's a a more holistic existence and the way you describe it and way way you interact with people has conveyed that so it, it makes complete sense that that's the next step you're going and you're not straying from that path just in a different way
0: yeah. Yeah. Just a different approach. And I think being with Artemis helped me realize that because it's really hard to have deep personal connections. It's not impossible, but it's really hard to have deep personal connections of support virtually um, yeah. and from a distance. And so part of it is a desire to um, to work na- locally instead of nationally, because it's I mean, there are parts of it that I loved and there are challenges about it that I loved. And my heart is local Um My heart is with the person right next to me, and I want to be able to delve into that. And I still think, right, like, and this is something I thought when I became an educator, too, because I was uh, an educator in a nature-based school. And so, I've again, the podcast listeners, I'm sorry you've heard this quote a million times Um, one last time because I wouldn't be me if I didn't drop it on my way out. Uh, You have to teach somebody to love something first before you can ask them to save it. And so – my always my approach to education was we have these young children and if we teach them a connection and a love for the natural world then as they get older it'll be something that they're willing to fight for um not just willing but passionate about fighting for and then after i started hunting and um with you know kind of the conservation challenges and issues that have uh, increased and, in, in come about in the last decade, um, I reached a point where I was like, you know what, I want to work in the front lines. I want to be in a position where the impact that I have is, is, is now it's immediate. It's not, you know, when these kids are older 30 years in the future. Um, and, and so I was able to engage in that work with, uh, with Artemis and it was incredibly fulfilling, um, and challenging. Cause again, I do like a steep learning curve, um, and completely different then not only the type of work I'd ever done, but, but the approach uh, was also very different. Um, uh, and I think uh, even through this work, I've realized that with conservation, it's still all about people. Um, and if we want to fix things, we need to start with people. And so conservation will be more effective if people are, are healthier and, and, and more whole and more compassionate um and more centered. And so for me it's again, it's about going back to that entry point. Um and I think so much of life, again, it's not, it's not necessarily knowing what you want to do. Um, it's knowing what you don't want to do. And uh and for me, I've I realized that my strength and, and my passion is for that 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 starting point, that inception point. Um, I think there are people who work beautifully. And and I think, you know, the mentors that I named, um, Tracy and Kathy and David, they work beautifully on the strategic big picture. Uh, These are all of the factors that are in play, how can we place them to be effective. And I prefer to work at the starting um, with the smaller pieces um, that make up the whole and, and focus my attentions there. So there's definitely a through line. Um, I think it might not be easily apparent to everybody, but, uh, but for me and for what I'm passionate about, there is a through line. Um, and I'm still passionate about conservation and I still plan on holding leadership positions in conservation, um, in the state of Montana, um, and professionally, I want to start at the inception point.
2: I, I joked about, you know, not saying farewell, but I mean, it's also a celebration, for you to find this next opportunity and recognize it, and go after it with the spirit that you're going after it, it's exciting. It's cool to hear. It's cool. It's also great to know that you're not you're not leaving this space because your your talents will not be lost or just taking a different format. And I have a sneaky suspicion that there'll be more ties than just what you're describing in the future too, just because of what you've accomplished already.
0: I mean, I think uh, retreats where women learn to hunt and then have group therapy at night would be amazing. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. There let go. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> because, I mean, as we all know, like there's so much that comes when you learn to hunt in, in self-efficacy and confidence and self-sufficiency. Um, and I do think like having that, that experiential um, process uh, can, can go a long way um, to, to mental health, uh, as well and personal understanding. So yeah, the two are connected deeply for me.
2: Absolutely. And I'm glad you uh, brought up the mental health side of it. Um, uh, I think it'd be helpful for people to know too, that you have been going to school for a while already. <laughs> and now <laughs> this is yes. a long program you're in. So like, you know, on the burnout side of stuff, <laughs> it, it's when you're working all a of that, yeah, all that compassion and, and on top of school—I mean, that is that is an accomplishment, but also some well-deserved resting time.
0: Yeah, no, the, thank you. That's an important component because I was going to school part time and working full time, and then also trying to have friends and <laughs> and adopt a new dog um, and cook. So um, the one thing I didn't try to do was raise kids because I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy. Um, so I think. Uh, yeah, and I did that intentionally, right? I wanted to dip my toes in these waters before I made a huge life change. You know, I had an inkling that this is something I was interested in, but I didn't want to leave behind something that I cared about uh, in order to pursue a road that was um, so new to me. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I do not recommend going to school and working at the same time. 10 out of 10 do not recommend. It's not type 2 fun. It's, it's the exact opposite of type 2 fun.
1: Oh, man. Marsha, hearing you talk about, you know, not like trying to operate outside of the, I don't know the word, but the the frame that we've been placed into, I guess, as women in our society. And I say the frame, but the many frames, right? Like the many expectations and structures that exist and we're expected to and sometimes shoved into. <laughs> to be into, Um, But to hear you talk about kind of throwing that off and stretching beyond it is just, it, it's so refreshing to talk about, it has been so refreshing to talk about those things with you openly in a way where, I don't know, a lot of the other circles I've been a part of, I would feel certainly self-conscious or, you know, like the people I was talking about wouldn't understand what I was getting at. And so, I don't know. I think maybe a lot of women feel, even if they have a desire deep inside of them to follow their own path,
2: yep.
1: it can be really, really hard because I know that that's something that is very central to who I am since I was a small child. Um, but through different life stages, it gets tough or it can. Um, so I don't know. I If you want to talk about that, I would love to hear anything you have yeah. to say. Oh, I have a lot to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%, right? Because you – like, and again, uh, I've experienced it in my own self where it's like even if you make up your mind that this isn't how you want to operate, you still need to let everybody know that this isn't how you want to operate. And you're going to get a variety of reactions to that. And it's not just – it's not like flipping a switch. It's not like yesterday I was a people pleaser and today I'm not. You know, it's like this long journey. And so there's the, there's there's this period that, you know, it takes what it takes for each person. But there's this period where you're like, this isn't how I want to operate anymore. So I'm going to set these boundaries in place. But during that whole length of the time, you're like, I hate this. This is uncomfortable. I'm so used to managing your emotions. I'm so used to striving to meet your expectations. I don't even know what my expectations are. Like there's this really uncomfortable period of change that happens between – recognizing that you want to make the change and being comfortable with the change that you've made and and having had that transition go through with the people that you work with, the the people that you live with, with your family, with your community, um, because people react to you um, and to the decisions that you've made. And uh, I don't know about you, but I was used to, managing those reactions for them. I was used to taking responsibility for those reactions. And even if I don't do that anymore, even if I like put up that wall and say, that's you, not me, it's it still takes energy to create that boundary. Holding yes. those boundaries takes energy. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think, I'm glad that you raised that point, Ashley, because it's really easy to say and really hard to do. And it takes a really long time. Um, and it involves a lot of people, not just us. And, and I think, I think that can cause a lot of emotional stress as relationships change expectations and come to a new understanding. Some, Relationships can weather it and some can't, um, and that's hard.
1: Very well said. I, I think that uh, Artemis as a, as a platform, as a program, as a community really um, has helped me in this endeavor in a lot of ways, and I hope and I believe that it is also helping other women that are a part of it. Um, and the, the leadership team and, you know, those, those folks that were there at the very beginning, and kind of crafted all of this, set the stage. But Marsha, as the program leader and really as the only employee for two-plus years of Artemis, you have made the program what it is, and you have made the culture what it is within Artemis and set the standard for a lot of the language that we use and the way that we navigate ideas like this. Um, I don't just I want to thank you on the record and <laughs> – and off record as well. I want to thank you very much for that.
0: You're thank you for that, and and you're welcome. And it's been a pleasure. Um, but I do want to say that I, you know, I I picked up the baton from the co-founders who also grounded the work that we do in community and in sportswomen's voices. And I definitely interpreted that the way that I interpreted it, and I ran with it the way that I did. Um, And I know that Artemis would look different if somebody else had had my job for the last four years, but I had a solid foundation um, that the co-founders set when they created um, who Artemis was and what we cared about. And I have every faith that that core um, will always be around, even if some of the other aspects evolve and change as they should, as they have to, in order to survive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what you just said is going to to take it back to the hiring process. That's going to be a huge factor and point and consideration for the person who takes your position, Um, it, their values, their values and how true to the values that are, have been established for Artemis they are um, with their own flavor, like you said, of course. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting.
0: I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I am super excited. I am super excited to see who, um, who takes the wheel after my departure. Um, and I'm s- very excited to, um, to see, to see it be amazing.
1: Yeah. I've I feel like, So I've, I've known that Marsha, um, was going to be transitioning out of this role longer than, the general public, um, and I.
0: <laughs> if you hadn't, that would have been a bad move on my part for sure. We me
1: messed up, yeah. Um, but so I had some lead time to kind of start to process this, and I was telling one of my friends, I feel like I went through I don't know what the ages of grief actually are, <laughs> but I certainly had some roller coaster moments where it was just all the feelings, and and now I do feel like I'm. I'm probably taking, you know, queuing off of you. I'm I'm excited to see who comes in and and how they're going to shape things moving forward.
0: Well, I think there's always that that starting gun energy, right? I think anybody's anytime somebody starts a, a a new job that they're excited about, there's just this energy that's irreplaceable. Um, and I can't wait for that dose of adrenaline. Along
2: those lines, I'm excited as well, and. But I'm excited for the person who comes in, because I know I know the best candidate exists out there and they will take this job. I'm excited to learn from them too. And I know that's dorky, but like for me, I, I joined Artemis. I don't even know like how it officially came to be, but I've learned more from myself than I think I've been able to contribute here. And I mean that wholeheartedly. And from that aspect of it, and just thinking about, you know, once we heard that you were leaving Marcia. What that means for other sportswomen, too, because in the country, you know, there's so many different women. They're not just one type. Right. And to have somebody different, not better, worse, just different, contributing their ideas is going with like what you said with the energy to bring new things to light and new opportunity, new perspectives. And it's like it's exciting from that perspective for me to just see what they bring to the table. But not just for, for you know, the sportswomen, but also for conservation. And I think that's something that's really been settling in with me too. And I think you and I have talked about it. Like conservation needs sportswomen engaged in the future. And how we manifest that and how we contribute our skill sets and how this program is led is going to help with that. And so conservation will be better for the overall, for everybody as this program grows and develops and evolves too. And I truly believe that. So whomever comes in, no big shoes to fill. Yeah. no pressure. But uh, yeah, no pressure at all. But at the same time, like bring your heart, spirit and talent, because like there's so many welcoming people that just want everything you have. you. Yeah. it'll be great.
1: OK, we're getting to the end. <laughs> um, oh. I'm going to first give it to Sam. Sam, if you have anything else that you want to bring up or talk about, let's do that
2: just one last easy hopefully question for you it's one thing that you wish you could still do or or do for artemis in the future if you had one project that you were like so excited and looking forward to, what would that be just
1: one (laughs) this is not a binding contract (laughs) this is not
0: a binding contract but sam i also feel like this question is a plant because i'm pretty sure you know what i'm gonna say (laughs) Um, If there was one thing that I could hold on to and take with me, it would be our leadership happy hours um, that branched off of the leadership training that we did in February with the grant from the National Shooting Sports Foundation, where we brought together uh, women who were interested in serving and women who are currently serving on boards and commissions. And now we do a monthly uh, happy hour, um, and we've only done two of them but it's my favorite thing. And I think part of why it's my favorite thing is that, you know, we get to pick a topic and then all of these women come together and I just get to sit back and listen and try and facilitate an awesome conversation, which is not hard to do when you have that many cool people in one zoom room. Um, and so I, uh, I, I am, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to continue to participate in that um, and show up to those happy hours, uh, even if I'm not facilitating them. I may give it a little time because I think it's always awkward when the person who used to run the meeting shows up in the meeting and doesn't run it. <laughs> so I want to give space for that. Uh, but I am excited to uh, to engage in that community. Um, and I mean, let's, I like this, uh, <laughs> I picked one, but now I don't want to. <laughs> What's another one? What's another one? I I mean there's two there's two more. Um uh this podcast, which um, believe it or not, we're on our third year, uh, and it's been one of the most fun things I've ever done professionally. And uh and and it always weirds me out a little bit because you know, you record this conversation and then you put it out there and you don't know what's happening on the other end of the earbuds, uh, who's listening or or what it means to them. Um, and every once in a while, people will reach out to me, um, and, and say, I listen to the podcast, and I'm like, wow, what people listen to the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, which is which is exciting and awesome. And also, I'm like, oh my god, what did they say? Um, right. right, right, so so I will miss this podcast so very much. Um, I will miss. I will obviously still listen to it, but I will miss being able to ask a million and five questions of these amazing people that we have on. And then thirdly, um, our ambassador program, Um, because I think, you know, I think, uh, Ashley, when you said, like, I, I, I brought who I am to this position and had a lot of freedom to make it what I wanted it to be, so of course... I made it about individual and, <laughs> and building those relationships and building that community. Um, and we've just, I've ha- we've met so many amazing people through the ambassador program, um, and watched them lean in hard with passion, um, and yeah. with dedication, uh, for the, the shared values that we have. And I am going to miss supporting them and being a part of that community. It's and, funny. And I could go on. I could name five other things that I'm, that, <laughs> yeah, but we'll stick with those three. Uh,
2: if you look at them, they the common theme that you described of helping individuals too. So it, I, I expect nothing less helping and connecting with people. It, it just, it seems right up the alley. So when
0: I hear like, when I hear that, like the ambassador from Oklahoma went to Alaska and contacted our Alaska ambassador or, you know, when the ambassador from New Mexico goes to Idaho and gets together with, it just makes me so happy.
1: Me too. And I want to go on these trips with them. I hear, yeah, right? them. <laughs> I want to be there. Yeah. Sometimes I get to be. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. Um, I I want to do a closer. It's a little, I think, a spin, a spin on our typical hits and misses.
0: Oh, man, but I had a hit.
1: <laughs> oh, well, you get to share it because it's okay. going to be about you. Um, oh, gosh. Oh, if, gosh.
0: You're going to – no.
1: No, it's not. I'm, there's too much prelude here for what's coming. Okay. It's not that big of a deal. Um, But I would love to know a hit and a miss from just from you, Marsha, especially around this transition. Oh, because it's messy, yeah, right? I it's mean, it's messy. Yeah,
0: you know, gosh, oh, a weird thing. And again, we we talked about this a bit in our last leadership happy hour, um, where the topic of conversation was uh, was imposter syndrome, and a huge part of that, I think. Um, for for people who experience it is not just that I don't feel like I belong here, but it's also like when you tell me I did a good job, I don't necessarily believe you. I think you're trying to just mm-hmm. make me feel good, you mm-hmm. know? And so – um, and, and the last few years have been hard, um, in part because I was trying to do too much and in part because it was pandemic. Um, and I think remote work is weird. Remote work is weird because you don't get – daily feedback from the people that you're working with in the way that I like to get it, right? Like I, I, one of the most, I'm going to answer this question with like a full on hour long monologue. We're going for it. (laughs) Okay. Um, one of the most difficult, so I've always been remote. Uh, I started remote because I'm in Montana and the rest of the team is everywhere. So, um, 2020 made it like took that remote environment to a whole new level, but I've always been remote. So I transitioned from working in a very local, close-knit school community where I relied so much on my ability to read people, um, read their facial expressions, read their body language, read the energy in the room, and respond to those communications through my body, through my face, through my tone, And transitioning to something where the only feedback you're getting is verbal and to trust that people are going to, to use their words (laughs) (laughs) to tell you things is like, that was a, that was a, a journey for me. And luckily, um, and, and people should know this, like, uh, Aaron Kindle is the supervisor for this position. So if you're looking to apply to it, he's an amazing supervisor. And if something is wrong, he will tell you, you can trust him to use his words. <laughs> <laughs> but it took me a really long time to, to build that trust. And, and it, you know, it echoes back to other things that I've been dealing with. And so, um, you, there's always the struggle when you're doing too much and you don't feel like you're doing anything well. And when I felt like I was giving a lot, especially this last year, like I was giving a lot to this program, but maybe I wasn't giving it everything I had. And that's, again, something that I think... That's that's grind culture, and that's not something I enjoy. And it's not something mm-hmm. that I want to buy into anymore. But it's like if I'm not dead, if I'm not crawling across the floor from exhaustion, if I am not productive, 110% of the day, uh, then it's hard for me to feel like I've like I'm doing my best. Um, and uh, and I deal with that in my own way, um, and I'm working through it in my own way. But part of this departure, um, that's been wonderful and hard is hearing people tell me, using their words to tell me, um, what they feel I've meant to this program and the work that I've done here. Um, and so that's been really meaningful and it's, it's hit really deep. Um, and I won't say it's been easy to hear or easy to trust. Um, I mean, I trust the people that it's coming from deeply So I know that they wouldn't say it if they didn't mean it. Um, And it has felt really good to kind of take a deep breath and say, um, I, I, I did do good work. Um, and to, to live in that and, and not feel, um, like I'm walking away from something that's unfinished. Um, So, so that's been wonderful and hard and and deeply valuable. I don't know if that makes it a hit or a miss.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I like that hit or miss, wonderful and hard. I like both of them. That's good.
0: And I think it's allowed me to, uh, to be able to hold two things at once, right? Like, I think, I think the, yeah, the recognition that we can hold so many emotions at the same time and all of them are true um, is a really important skill, uh, to, to know that I'm going to miss this work and these people and this community deeply, probably in ways that I don't even know yet. Um, because I do think that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Um, and I know that this is the right path for me. Um, and that, uh, uh I'm headed in the right direction and whoever takes over for Artemis is going to be exactly what the organization needs right now. And so to hold those two things together, again, has been hard and wonderful.
1: That was way better than I expected. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, that's it. I don't even want to say the normal closer because I don't want this episode. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, can I say it? Can I say yes. it? Because it's my Please favorite. Do. Please do. Um, Until next time, be bold, stay curious, and get outside.